0: are recording okay all is well um yes to give you some context uh after we sent out all the stuff and we sent out the survey which i did send to both mike and john um john has not gotten back to me yet i'm not sure if he will um but mike did respond with an email um that was definitely meant to be like a virus email like it literally says exclamation point exclamation point urgent your computer may already be compromised um, and the document that he sent is the document will save your life so again like presumably we're going to open it and everything is going to be erased or something um, <laughs> no. but yes uh, he was he was the major respondent I, I talked to and we had some conversation afterwards just about the the site and stuff so we can get into that as well um, yeah. so do you want me to just like read what he had to say or, um,
1: well, you know yeah, any notes? particular highlights, I guess. I found it pretty amusing how thorough he was in general, but, uh,
0: yeah, that's, that's typical. Um, the, the sort of Cliff's Notes version I suspect is, um, Mike really enjoyed that essay on Lobotomy Corporation I wrote. Um, yeah. and he hasn't actually done a whole lot of engagement with the other website stuff or the videos or anything like that um but as a consequence it seems like part of the reason why he hasn't sort of engaged more is on the one hand there's not a lot that like tickles his fancy so much um he was excited at the prospect mm-hmm. that we are going to do some crpgs in the future and he seemed very excited about both planescape torment and shadowrun dragonfall um i know he's played dragonfall and really enjoyed it um torment i think has been on his back burner for a while he just needs an excuse um and this is probably exactly the excuse he needs Uh, but the other thing that's sort of driven him off is user interface stuff um he asked if we had a mailing list or a social media presence someplace where we could sort of like broadcast Mm -hmm. more obviously um without him having to like check the website regularly Um, I know he specifically mentioned an email blast at one point, like if we just sent something out to everyone. Um, and then in talking to him afterwards, he specifically mentioned that he had some trouble navigating our website. Um, -hmm. and you and I talked a little bit about that, possibly reorganizing some of the menus or, you know, changing some of the language to be a little bit more practical than thematically appropriate. Um. But yeah, that was that seemed to be the, the major points that he was talking about was he likes what we were doing, likes the content that we're providing, um, would like to see it presented in a way that's a little bit more intuitive, a little bit easier to access, I think.
1: Yeah. yeah. I had a question about, he said something about TTRPGs. I don't even know that term. What's that?
0: Yes. Um, Mike is a huge fan of tabletop RPGs in the vein oh, of tabletop. Dungeons and Dragons um and in fact like mike in the past say decade or so has gone from his first ever pathfinder game which was his first ever rpg that i dm'd for him i had the privilege um to being an absolute indie tabletop snob um (laughs) and he is now a devoted follower of a lot of little independent tabletop games um like i i know if view of them but if i try and talk about them i will quickly embarrass myself um like he's not in a vicious like opponent of the mainstream dungeons and dragons or things like that but he is usually very suspicious of them um and very quick to sort of promote uh smaller developers of whom there are tons like there's apparently just a huge grassroots presence out there um that you know like i'm only vaguely aware of Um, And he even mentioned that because a lot of these game designers, developers, writers, however you want to see them, are kind of so independent that he could theoretically wrangle some interviews if we wanted to talk to them about it. Oh Um, cool, yes, that would be awesome. Yeah, he mentioned one in particular who apparently bases a lot of his tabletop designs on existing video games. Um, and sort of, like, adapts the mechanics to the different medium. Um, So we could I could definitely tell him to see where we could go with that and possibly get an interview out of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's something I think would be really fun. And if he wanted to be involved with that in some way, that might be helpful, too. (laughs) More knowledgeable. We'll be sitting
0: there stammering, like, (laughs) we know vaguely what this is about, but he would
1: actually... I only just learned what... I just learned what TTRPG stood for, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, oh, he also says that he wants t-shirt giveaways, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm all about that. Um, if I should, I mean, I should mention on air here that like if you become one of our our patrons, then you could get uh, free games sooner or later uh, coming your way. Um, and as far as t-shirts go, I might, I don't know, I might be able to invest a little bit in a. Like a, a t-shirt giveaway once or twice a year i, yeah, I could exactly.
0: see that as i recall that's not a terribly expensive proposition these days
2: Yeah, uh, i mean i have some old shirts that i can just donate
1: i thought steve <laughs> that you might be the guy to talk to about that because we have been talking for years about finding that tony the tiger t-shirt of ours oh
2: dude yeah i have no idea where that is that's such a bummer
1: <laughs> uh so that would be the first one i would want to do um but he says that our mascot should be the Cuckoo Clock. Yes. Alright. One vote but... for Cuckoo Clock. So the what, what's the chicken's
2: name in, in Zelda? Cuckoo. The... the cow? Yeah. They are called cuckoos, yeah. yeah. Uh. I think that do-do? should be the bird if we do a Cuckoo Clock. Ooh, <laughs> like
1: you, like you have a specific a... cuckoo yeah. okay. That's brilliant. Yes. Okay, so that's two votes for Cuckoo Clock, it sounds like all right all right and he says uh this is mike amala again that um the question about when does one become a person that we were sort of struggling with last time it's after you've made your first kill
0: yes so
1: we've got a solid answer on that finally yep. okay
0: good There's a very clear line for that matter <laughs> uh,
1: all right so yeah again many thanks to mike for this excellent feedback Indeed. And we will definitely be, yeah. And Ben, you said in your email that accompany it, yeah, we need to improve the, the look and feel of the website for sure, make it a little more user friendly, uh, less cluttered. Yeah, see, I didn't even know about the uh, read more button. I didn't know how to do that. That's very useful.
0: Yeah, that's, um, that's one that I've come to rely on pretty heavily and like everything. Uh, yeah. All of the online activities.
1: Yeah, I mean, because then you can see, like, at a glance, a lot more of what is available on there. And ideally, we should probably get some, like, yeah, more, like you said, more categories going to help people find stuff that they're looking for. Um, Because, yeah, the courses are one thing. But aside from that, it's really hard to find um, any specific posts from the past year or whatever it is we've been doing this so
0: 2019 yeah, okay. the first post i saw on there
1: cool so old <laughs> uh yeah all right well so cool and i saw you put a new post on there just today yes um yeah.
0: messing around with the website led me to my very much shelved or trunked lost kingdoms post um which i had sort of trunked knowing that i needed to to get some pictures and stuff from the videos and then when this last May happened and my computer died and all of my classes were nuts and just I very much couldn't deal with it at the time Um, but I decided to revisit it see what shape it was in discovered that it was basically finished except for a couple of pictures and a couple of minor edits and decided rather than try and get the last pictures that I wanted from the last part of the game which would be way more time-consuming i'd just use what i had and post it um so that is very late in coming since it very much reflects where i was at you know four months ago rather than now but i am (laughs) rather proud of where it ended up and i do think it's probably as close to the most definitive scholarship on lost kingdoms that i've yet seen besides like the game faq's writers god bless them um, oh my gosh you folks yeah like i remember using the their faq for lost kingdoms 2 back in 2004 like you know with, with all the ascii art and everything oh, those, yeah, <laughs> those, are the, those are the real heroes those are the real historians uh
1: that I mean, level of dedication
0: yeah is, is hardcore. uh hardcore <laughs> um, but yeah so i finally got that up so there it is feel free to take a look at it i hope it hasn't overshadowed our survey because that is kind of ongoing um but i am happy to have that now uh
1: it's brilliant man. yeah i i'm so glad that you got a chance to finish that up and post it because i saw it in there for a while and i saw that picture of the pidgey from yes. pokemon and i was like what is he doing with this thing um but not all together. cool uh yeah, awesome, awesome. The loneliness, yeah, very apropos. I feel like for where we are at these days, collectively, that is. Yes. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I feel um I feel like there's a lot of uh, conflicts potentially between like you know how people spend their time nowadays. Um, you know, like reading stuff on social media uh and finding stuff from friends of theirs that they post on their facebook pages or whatever but this i don't know i just feel like this is a much better way to spend your leisure time somehow and i i don't know if i could prove that in any convincing way but i'm i'm gonna say that's that's how i would spend my time personally yeah reading stuff
0: and it's it's hard i think um like especially the last couple of years with the pandemic it's just changed everybody's frame of reference um and one of the one of the major sort of arguments that i'm making in that lost kingdoms post is you know at the end of the day i wrote like ten thousand words about a game that nobody but me cares about Um, and that's okay like you know it, it very much comes at the sort of subjective existentialist standpoint where you know you decide what meaning your life has like you decide what to make of it what to do with it um and nobody gets to tell you you're using your time wrong like that's not a judgment anyone but you is equipped to make um and you know i put in the necessary caveats The you know but please don't become a cult leader or something but um, <laughs> But at the same time, you know, I've heard, at the same time as there is sort of this manic, conspiratorial weirdness infiltrating the internet, there's also a lot of people I've seen who are getting really hard on themselves for not being able to use the last two years terribly well. Like, people who are depressed not because of all Mm -hmm. the horrible things that are going on around them, but because they don't feel like they're helping. Um, exactly and that's exactly. you know that's not where you need to be like <laughs> right. you know it's okay we, we're all sitting here with our thumbs up our butts so to speak trying to you know <laughs> figure out what the heck is is going on figure out how the heck to to make it better and you know none of us are powerful enough to you know make the sorts of real lasting changes that need to happen you know not alone and to some degree not even collectively there's just too much working against us um like it's no excuse for inaction sure but it also doesn't mean that you need to spend you know 24 hours a day seven days a week you know calling your congressman or you know picking fights on twitter (laughs) or or any of those things that frequently prove very unproductive like taking a nap is frequently what needs to happen playing a video game dumb as it might be or as unpopular as it might be is sometimes what needs to happen um you know the the message of lost kingdoms is very much that katya is on her own um and Mm -hmm. that's okay no one can tell her how to rule her kingdom better than she can figure it out herself um so we can all cut ourselves some slack i think
1: yeah that's i don't know that's definitely something i've struggled with as well like sure i haven't had any terrible things happen to me really but i also have just been sort of demoralized in general yeah. um and it's like yeah that's just part of the way it goes um but okay let's see as far as uh, Positive feedback. Here, here's a nice here's a nice note from Alex. Thanks for sending such a detailed email. You're welcome. Thank you also for making your work so easy and, exp- and inexpensive to access. All right, it's free for the most part. As of now, I do not have any advice or suggestions for your podcast and shared endeavors with Ben besides two small notes I have included below. I have enjoyed the two podcasts I've listened to by you two, and I intend to listen to more of them, as well as podcasts on Gears. And the golden compass. Two final things: on the most recent conversation between you and Ben, or at least the one your link above took me to, the recording appeared to turn on after the conversation had begun. Ben's audio was pretty tough to hear. I know many people working with audio, including teachers, and they're investing in microphones that help the sound quality. Additionally, I favor Don Quixote to the cuckoo clock as a mascot, but I would not be unhappy to be outvoted. Yeah, so currently outvoted, two to one. Um, but. He's not. He's not. He's not too like wedded to the coo- or to the Don Quixote. It sounds like, okay. um, but yeah. And the irony there is, of course, Ben has the better microphone. It's just that the way that we were capturing the recording depended on my speakers, and so it sounded pretty pretty rough. Uh, but you know, hopefully audible at least. And I also start it like yeah mid sentence usually, and then I don't. <laughs> I don't know how to edit it very well, so I just leave it alone. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's just possible. If Uh, I take over on that front, I suspect we we won't have that problem so much. Um, But uh, I suspect, too, it might just very well be trial and error on some of these things.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, the editing stuff, I don't know. I just... Anchor is pretty clunky, Mm -hmm. and I don't have any other video or audio editing software at hand, so that's what I use, so... It's minimal, but, like, I don't know. It's like, uh... In a lot of ways, a, um, I think of it more of like a a, a notes, a, a or What do they call it? The minutes, right? right? The meeting minutes. Um, more so than a like entertaining thing to listen to most of the time. It's it's more informative, is what I'm sort of telling myself. So it's it's there for the for the posterity. Um,
0: but Very all things considered, I suspect.
1: how how do you guys feel about that though like because this was also one of the big questions that i was curious about was like the the two kinds of content that were sort of out to make right the more uh academic right highbrow and and sort of not that accessible sort of stuff versus the more more entertaining um taking ideas and and translating them into something that's more accessible basically right um and mike's response was pretty pretty much on the side of you know make make it easy to to find right and that's uh that's what he's looking for which yeah i i kind of agree i think that might be a, a place to focus on uh, and i guess that goes for the audio too right like making it sound better and uh all that uh,
0: quality of life stuff mm-hmm.
1: alas alas all right well steve let's let's hear from you man because i don't know you uh surely have some thought you put something in the okay you put something in here a-, a while ago actually about um slowing down our gameplay which i think is a good idea uh so in the future playing
2: yeah, you mean in terms of just like if we're doing a playthrough of a game, it's supposed to just like, you know. Well, I mean, I obviously has to. it's game-specific. Um, you know, some games obviously don't have side quests. But yeah, I mean, I think for a deeper immersion, um, Nier was kind of like the perfect example because I, I beat it once without doing the side quest, and then I, you know, when I played it my second time, I, I did all the side quests and it made it so much more enjoyable. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think when I think about what was the most effective thing in this class, I I go back to the hex. And I think that's because it wasn't a particularly long game. You could still explore things that were, like, secrets to find, but the gameplay was relatively easy. So I I feel like, you know, like Deus Ex, and I, I think, like, Ben kind of touched on this last week. Um, I was listening to the recording today. Like, I don't know. It was, um, oh, no, I kind of lost my train of thought. Oh, it's, like, daunting to, like, want to start something like that. Like, mm-hmm. I know that it's going to be an investment, and it's like, uh It, it just, like, to me, it was such a chore. Um, so, I mean, I think you should probably focus on more accessible games. Um, like undertale I think is is a perfect um suggestion that's kind it's pretty easy there's a lot of like kind of hidden things and secrets to do um but it also kind of fits within um i i think the purpose of this class, which is you know exploring kind of um you know, the the philosophical and ethical questions presented in that game
1: totally. Yeah, and we can I don't know. I this is a thing I would worry that I sort of open the the Pandora's box here cuz I didn't play near. You no. Know? And then I was like um well, I guess I just won't play Deus Ex either. I'll just let Ben play it and watch him play. It. But that's yeah, that's not the same, I feel like. And um uh yeah, getting getting a chance to take a game more slowly and if possible make it a game that Everyone has access to, uh, and is like, conf- relatively confident, like playing um, and exploring it. Yeah, and and doing as much as they want to do with it. Uh, that all sounds positive to me. This is something I found too, when I was doing the uh, classes for kids. None of the kids would play any of the games, and partly that was because I think I was like talking about them more in a lecture format, and so they didn't really. Have as much that they needed to do discussion wise um they didn't need as much input really um but again i i think a lot of them are just not that accessible too because it's like older nes and snes games that i played as a kid and i don't think they have access to those so it's tough
0: but yeah it is like when i was sort of pitching deus ex i i knew that it was a, a deviation from what we were used to and part that was part of what motivated me on that one um like I I did want to sort of push us in new directions but at the same time you know if we're not comfortable doing that that's that's okay like um and I it is a really tricky balance like on the one hand you know I, I think part of what the video game academy really needs to be is this sort of video game historian keeping keeping an eye on the games that were great once upon a time so we can communicate them to a generation that's unfamiliar with them um (laughs) like there, are are a couple of um like little kids that i've been hanging out with lately like friends children and my my nephew and they're you know seven eight ten years old um and they're all about zelda breath of the wild and i'm like well, there are other games in this franchise, like they're playing right. the, the new version of Link's Awakening for the first time they're like, it's blowing their mind and I'm saying, you know, <laughs> there's more like, I played this when I was your age, it was, it right. blew my mind too um, so I, I think we do need to very much keep that up, like we, working in our comfort zone is no bad thing it, it's work that still needs to be done um, yeah. and at the same time, I'm I'm struck by what by what Steve you just said about, you know, how the hex worked so well for us and sort of focusing on on smaller, more kind of bite sized games might actually be the better move. Um like, on the one hand, I'm all about that. I am the indie game guy. Like, absolutely. You want a list of weird bonkers, philosophically rich games that only take like six to ten hours to beat, yeah, I'm your man. But at the same time, like I want to dig into, you know, Ocarina of Time or mm-hmm. um, Chrono Trigger, games that would require a lot more work. Um, so I guess, I guess what we have to do is get better at dealing with these different scopes. Um, <laughs> like, I think that that's actually one of the biggest problems we're going to have to face in the months to come. You know, Planescape: Torment and and Shadowrun: Dragonfall are roughly comparable as far as their their time period and stuff is concerned. But you know, going forward, going beyond that, like the the task we have taken upon ourselves of sort of hallowing and discussing, you know, the wide, wide, crazy world of video games means, you know, we've got to be able to tackle Super Mario with its relatively easygoing relatively not deep world and stuff in nine hours or ten as well as taking on like final fantasy 7 with its huge robust thematic material which will take like 40 hours to get through um yeah so i don't know like that's that's a puzzle <laughs> um
1: it's yeah, and but I, I want to stress as well, like, the point about people getting to play these games for themselves, I think is important there, because it's like, there's plenty of commentary out there about a lot of these games. Um, but I think that it's something different that we can offer in that it's this kind of like, yeah, playthrough yes. with discussion, sure. right? With, you know, your things that you're discovering um, and getting to share those. Um and and bounce ideas off and all that good stuff so yeah uh i i i'm not i'm not gonna give up on deus ex just yet uh, you know metaphorically speaking right. um uh i i will also play the actual game at some point uh <laughs> but uh but yeah like as far as um just taking time playing through uh i think that's Really helpful, um, and yeah, knowing that the hex is a kind of uh, like sweet spot as far as types of game to to look at. Um, Steve, did you uh, did you have other stuff on your mind that you'd want to throw out there?
2: Um, I, I know it's it's hard. I you know I'm trying to think of a way that we could play games more with a purpose like I feel I mean obviously part of it is to like explore um, the game on your own and kind of like discover things on your own um, I, I still know like if we could have like a specific topic that we wanted to talk about like a segment of a game um, I don't know how we would be able to do that kind of like playing the game with more of a like discrete purpose of oh yeah well think about you know this philosopher or something like that as you're playing the game and it's like yeah think about how this you know, this philosopher would think of these decisions that you're making or something like that I, I don't know how we would do that um per se and it'd be difficult in our first playthroughs of games but if you could create more of like a curriculum to kind of discuss
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I guess we play we play like the segment first, and we say, "Okay, this is like what we want to discuss." And then you kind of like instruct this, you know, focus on like this kind of stuff. Um, if if that's even Actually, possible, which I'm not sure if it is. Well,
1: that's that's because that's kind of what Mike is talking about with the Lobotomy Corp essay or article. It's like how that game relates to a wider sense of self and social existence, as he puts it. Um, so yeah, like taking more of a kind of thesis, right, or or claim that goes with the game and digging into that particular aspect of it. Yeah, I think that would be very doable, but yeah, I agree that that might be something that would have to be for games that you already know pretty well um, such that you can kind of focus on just one thing uh, and the rest of it kind of just flows naturally for you. Yeah. What do you think, Ben?
0: Um, I think a lot of this may actually have to do with how we present uh the games we're talking about like like Steve what you're talking about where we're sort of focusing on one level or one area or how one particular game sort of interacts with one particular philosophy or philosophical idea um like that would I think work really well in an essay format like you know like I did with Lobotomy Corporation or more recently with Lost Kingdoms um, and I think would also work really well as a one-off discuss- discussion, like, let's all play, you know, the Forest Temple f- from Ocarina of Time and talk about friendship. Um, or let's all, you know, do the, like, the part of Chrono Cross where, where Surge and Lynx are swapped and we talk about identity um, <laughs> right like there's a lot of a lot of potential there um the trick i think would be you know how feasible is it like you can't very well tell somebody okay go play you know just this two hour block of chrono cross that's like 10 hours into the game that's <laughs> um, true yeah that's tough. and you know that that would be really difficult so Like, I think it would work as a one-off discussion, or it might work, um, you know, if we wanted to sort of bounce around, like, you know, I I think in, uh, like, in in preaching circles, when, when I was at the seminary, we often talked about the difference between, like, going through an entire book of the Bible and, like, systematically teaching every single chapter versus topical preaching like okay we're going to talk about love for the next six weeks and we're going to bounce all around looking at all of these specific examples i think it would be really cool to do that um to sort of approach it topically and i think it would actually make for a really interesting seminar kind of approach like if we had more people in the classroom we could absolutely say you know wes you're going to play ocarina of time up until this point and see how the relationship between Saria and Link matures. You know, Steve, you're going to play, uh, like, Final Fantasy VI, just the first half, and you're going to see how all of those relationships work. Like, I think that that would be a really cool thing to do with every week somebody presenting their findings, like a proper seminar. Um, Yeah. The trouble is, I suspect if it was just the three of us, we'd get a whole share <laughs> of the work in every case right yes
1: yes and uh, yeah again i think getting getting to just uh watch playthrough would probably be okay as long as you had played the game in in the past and yes. you know knew some stuff to bring in as far as mechanics and maybe impressions you had but yeah because again this would be more sort of for things you already uh had some experience with and and i like the idea yeah of um of like a presentation format for that too yeah that's and that's something i think you do see on uh on the youtube uh like video log format or whatever people taking a specific topic and and talking about it through games or something like that could do it um with that said did you have a Particular topic in mind, Steve, or something you've been chewing over?
2: Okay. Now uh, listen, I'm I'm more of the like you know big picture. Like this is what we need to accomplish. I I honestly I thought I've just like don't know enough. I don't have enough experience in this kind of stuff of like analyzing. Uh, literature and uh, you know having these deep philosophical discussions so no there's nothing off the top of my head i would like it if you would do that if like you'd be able to do that for me though
1: heck yeah well i still think that you should help make the uh visual novels uh sort of video or something like that at some point that's that's still a project hey. that i have in mind to, to work with no I, I i agree Yeah, that'd be fun yeah well cool any other any other very uh sort of like big picture stuff then that people had in mind
2: not for me i mean i i think i agree with the comments that like the website's extremely difficult it's it's not very intuitive um navigate i actually i like don't know i've been there before and it's like i found something there and then i would go back another day and i was i was like completely unable to find it i forget what it was but it was just like i was just here like a week ago how did i like why how how did i like forget how to access this um
1: there was a time that we totally changed
2: the way it looked
1: so that might be part of it but it also yeah it uh, the way that new things are posted to it the way i've been doing it anyway makes old things really hard to find so that could be that could
0: be part of it, too. Yeah, I suggested um, that we do something along the lines of, like, an archives page. So, you know, that way, you know, if, in fact, you had no idea where anything had been hidden by our cryptic and extremely esoteric uh, methods, you could always just reliably go to the archives page and be like, when was it that I saw this post? Ah, there it is. Like, June 2011 yeah. or 20. Like, okay, that there it is um, and go from there. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we can definitely work on that. We can definitely figure that out. That's, it'll be work, but, you know, it's doable work.
1: Yeah, and I think that the, uh, the kind of, um, I don't know, seminar format would be really cool. Uh, that could be a whole, like, section on its own as well, like, so that not not just like games as courses, but also topics as courses, mm-hmm. um, fitting in there somehow. We use um, so like yeah, a yeah, if, yeah. So like if you're looking for a particular topic, you can you can search it that way. Um, yeah, and there's I think there are a lot of like game, uh, you know, conferences and discussion groups out there, and I I have been. Reaching out to a few people, so um, trying to just, uh, you know, figure out their best practices and stuff. Um, But I could also just post on there some, uh, you know, call for papers and, um, you know, videos from people's presentations at various conferences and things. Like, even uh, uh, Mullins. Dan Mullins that's the name right he's there's some recordings out there of him giving talks at different conferences, which are pretty pretty cool so um, yeah there's a lot of that kind of stuff out there uh, which we can help people find, but only if we're yeah if the things that we have are more easily found themselves uh, yeah, all right, well okay, I had. One other question for you ben about your uh twilight watching habits how's that
0: going for you we literally just finished tonight um (laughs) i am still very much reeling from breaking dawn part two um (laughs) yeah i i've been joking with my wife that uh like while at the same time researching all of these great philosophers on the subject of love and friendship and like punctuating that with the twilight movies is just really putting my brain in some dangerous territory as far as the whole understanding of relationships is concerned um but yeah it's it's a trip like i can't even be go so far as to say i'm glad that i did it at this point though maybe one day i will be able to say that um i will say though that i think I think it was an important moment in the cultural history, if that makes sense. Like, at, sure, Sarah at one point definitely put it as Twilight had to crawl so Outlander could run, um, and it's true that the <laughs> the market for, you know, like, I hesitate to say it, but it probably isn't wrong, women targeted, like romantic genre fiction has absolutely exploded um since twilight really hit the streets so to speak yeah. like you know never mind 50 shades of gray and that whole world but also just the fan fiction communities have gotten so much bigger and more vibrant um the obviously the ya shelves are were for a while there just packed with vampire and you know supernatural paranormal fiction but it has developed like it has matured in that time um and at the very least it won i want to say and it was a fight that was worth winning like for so many years it was totally culturally acceptable if you wanted to make some idiotic pandering garbage movie targeted at teen boys for example like that's basically the history of the james bond franchise um but at the same time you know if it was targeted at girls if it was targeted with a romantic plot or you know something that the culture had generally assumed was quote girly it never had a chance never had a snowball's chance like in the 90s you had the whole romantic comedy thing which wasn't really targeting teen girls so much as like 30 year olds and 40 year old moms and then all of a sudden, you know, Meyer shows up and says, hey, teen girls are people too. Let's, you know, let's make some garbage that panders to them. Like, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that, or there shouldn't be. Um, so, you know, it's neat that that's a thing that exists at this point. Like, it obviously isn't for me, but at the same time, you know, I, I'm trying to curtail my middle school boy knee-jerk reaction against it um yeah like and and i think honestly the the movie that i've seen that really really drives this home better than anything else is probably the second lego movie as weird as that is to say um but like (laughs) The whole point of that movie is, you know, you've got your your teenage boy who's all angsty and edgy and, you know, he's in a, like, dinosaurs and, and violent movies and, sp- like, you know, it, it's kind of a joke in the movie that Chris Pratt plays the villain because that was at the point that, like, Chris Pratt was the Jurassic World guy and the Guardians of the Galaxy guy and, you know, now he's even the Tomorrow War guy, so you know he's just the poster boy for this sort of thing but then his yeah. you know preteen sister is all about twilight and unicorns and rainbows and this is you know from the perspective of the culture beneath young teen boy with his anger um and it becomes this problem like it, they end up fighting over it and really the solution here is you have to accept this like there's nothing wrong with this um yeah and i even got into a spat with my nephew at one point when like he was he had just so totally missed the point of this movie like he is just a seven-year-old kid so you know you can't blame him but he was absolutely he absolutely thought that like the villainous character of that movie was the best like he wanted to be just like him (laughs) and i I was like you do know he's the bad guy right and he's like yeah but the bad guy is always cooler than the good guy and i'm like we have so far to come um (laughs) but but yeah like there are limits, I should say. Like, watching the Twilight movies especially. The first one is silly, and I'm kind of down with its silliness. But mm-hmm. we watched Breaking Dawn Part 1 last night, and it was just, like, bad on so many levels. <laughs> like, there, there were several points where I'm just like, did they even cooperate in making this shot or something? Like, the, the tone of the shot versus the tone of the music just... And then, you know, some of the thematic material is just really, really creepy. Like, mild spoilers here, but Jacob the sexy werewolf guy definitely like, falls madly in love with a baby at one point. And it's just weird and gross. Um, (laughs) And I feel like no matter how much uh, apologia you want to do for the the teen romance genre, it remains creepy and gross. Um, Yeah. But still, you know, That doesn't like as far as creepy and gross things are concerned any of anyone who has studied literature for as long as you know a casual undergraduate or even master's degree level will tell you a lot of literature is creepy and gross like faulkner's got his incest thing hemingway definitely abused women or considered them beneath him like don't even get us started on Rabelais. Like, it's just. Ooh, no,
1: no. What about Rabelais? <laughs> uh, he, uh, I've been just. I was reading about him just recently.
0: Yeah, um... I admittedly have not read Gargantua, um, but I, the one book that I did read on ethical fiction, um, Wayne Booth's *The Company We Keep*. Um, he Rabelais was definitely the guy that he was sort of taking the most comfortable pot shots at um because apparently he is just hardcore misogynistic um like to the point that he is you know making fun of women for being weak and you know immoral and all of those sorts of assumptions that people made um like in the great tradition of you know excusing writers based on oh they're just a product of their time rabelais is way harder to forgive Um like he should have known better is kind of what it comes down to. Um but yeah, it's just literature is full of these sorts of situations. We and we need to, on the one hand, be aware that, you know, they they are the product of their time. Like, um, Mark Twain was dealing with powers beyond his ken when he started writing The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn and it shows. Um but at the same time, that's not an excuse, like we have to be able to keep both both trains of thought in mind, sort of. Um, we have to be able to say, okay, Heart of Darkness is a really well-told story, but it's also super racist, and we can't forget that. Um, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, the the, the reading I'm doing about that uh, specifically yeah, puts Rabelais in the context of the carnival... Um, laughter and like derision and uh, just that whole tradition um, that he's sort of emerging out of. Um, So from the middle ages and even before that, the way that a whole populace would get together and basically have a big party, right? Uh, How that finds its way into his writing. Um, But yeah, obviously there's a lot of weird and gross stuff mixed up with that too so anyway okay so a lot of uh good i think good feedback for the course page and for my um you know personal attempts to understand where people are coming from as far as twilight goes uh i think this has been very fruitful um so for next time how much planescape torment should we try to play
0: i have good news this one is a very concrete metric um (laughs) yay for our first play uh get out of the mausoleum
1: get out of the mausoleum okay
0: sounds good uh it should be pretty obvious when you get dumped out onto the onto the front steps uh but that it like It may vary wildly how much time it takes you to do that. Like, if you are dedicated and want nothing to do with any of the people trying to get your attention, it could be ten minutes, but I recommend you hang around, talk to people, see what they have to say, and, I don't know, maybe get into a fight or two. Like, there's lots that could happen between then and now.
1: Cool. Sounds good. Good. Any other... News or weird stuff going on out in the world? I, uh,
0: not for me. Yeah. still waiting for inscription to come out.
1: Oh, did you know he was looking for beta testers? Did you get in
0: touch with him? I did sign up. I haven't heard anything back from him though, so nothing. Last fingers I are crossed.
1: Yeah, at. Would be so cool. That would be just. Uh, Have you ever beta tested anyone?
0: I have a couple of times. Um, I when the first hand of fate was in early access, I was fairly active in bug reporting and beta testing and the whole thing. And I know that like I was heard, and you know changes were implemented. Um, uh, Actually, this past week uh Amplitude Games, makers of Endless Space and en- Endless Legend, finally released Humankind, uh, which is their sort of civilization's answer. Like, it's a turn based 4X game based in human history. Um, and I was one of the beta testers on that one. Um, like, it, it was huh. this whole thing where they would send me a scenario and I would play it, and then they would ask a whole bunch of questions and I'd answer them. Um, it was actually a really neat sort of experience um i did not pre-order the game which i guess i'm a bad friend to amplitude and probably should <laughs> like they've been good to me so um but yeah like there have been a couple of times that i've that i've been in the the sort of back room i, I don't think i've ever been like you know anybody's favorite developer uh, or anything mostly i've just been a nuisance <laughs> but um but yeah it, it's happened a few times and the indie game world is actually really cool and really open to that like especially with early access um, all of that you know there there's been a lot of room for like go ahead play our game see what you think give us feedback help report bugs all that sort of thing
1: yeah that's i i that's something i've never tried doing i just uh feel like i would like, so over, I don't know, overwhelmed by that responsibility of, like, helping to make a game, even in that small way. Like, It's really,
0: know. like, it's really not that complicated. Like, for 90% of, you know, for, for much of what the developers want, all you literally need to do is that they're playing it. Okay. Um, I can do. Yeah, and and all they're doing is tracking things. You know, like 80% of what's going on in an early access situation is the developers are just getting all of the data about everything. Uh, Like a game like Slay the Spire with all the the deck building elements, you know, they're looking at which cards is everybody picking, which cards are everybody ignoring you know let's boost up the ones that are not getting used at all and, and sort of knock down in power the ones that are never seeing action um which is why the deck builder has become such a popular early access option um it is very easy to track that stuff um but as for like you know with any kind, with the little questionnaires and stuff it is sort of daunting like sometimes i'm sitting there thinking you know like they'll ask a question like, "Hey, did you use this ability?" And I'm like, "I didn't even know I had that." But that's exactly what they need to hear. Um, okay. Yeah. Like, if if you didn't use it, if you didn't know it was a thing, if you missed that tutorial message, you know, that's really important information. Uh, like, that's an oversight on the level of, you know, yes, your content is great, but we can't hear you speak. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> yeah, so so right. yeah, it, it's it's interesting and it's worth. It's worth experimenting with, especially if, you know, it's a game that you're eager to, to see developed well. Um, I know that they, I forget who it was, I think it was through The Escapist, um, but somebody did a documentary on the development of Darkest Dungeon, um, which was one of the, the first and one of the most sort of high-profile early access releases with just tons of beta testers involved um and it it turned out to be quite a dramatic story in the end because the testers were actually pushing the the developers to sort of make a game that was more streamlined easier more user-friendly but darkest dungeon was very much aiming for a viciously difficult horror experience (laughs) and it became very much sort of like a push pull sort of thing to the point that They actually changed their mission statement at one point from you know we want to make the best game possible to we want to make the best version of this game possible Mm. um which is a really interesting distinction i think um a really important one so so yeah like maybe go check that out i think that's still floating around for free somewhere um
1: Yeah, I, that's the thing. Yeah, you want to get. Have you guys ever played we... a game? Which one? Dark Dungeons.
2: No, oh, no, no. I was just gonna say, like, have you ever like put a lot of time into a video game only to like realize that you like that there wasn't a mechanic that like made everything easier? And You're like, wow, why? Like, why didn't oh, I realize I had that?
0: Right, like you you did it the hard way for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> yeah. Only to discover. Yeah, the, yeah, the, like. like method.
2: Like I forget, I, like there's the video game uh, Little Nemo or something like that on uh, Nintendo on the NES, on like regular Nintendo, and you get this like scepter at a certain point, and it's like right before the last boss, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I keep on using it and using it, it's taking forever. I'm like, this can't be right. Well, I've come to find out later that you can like charge the scepter, wow. and like if you hit the guy with like two full blasts, he goes down. But like I waste like half an hour <laughs> trying to like. This thing, like, by you know, the weakest little kind of bop with it, uh,
0: yeah. There's like, but
2: there are are a lot of games like that where it's like, oh, I realized like that there's a mechanic that like I was just completely unaware of that would have made the game so much easier. I
0: had that happen Mm. this summer. Um, I was playing this game called Foth, um, named after the Egyptian god, um, and it's literally just like an arcade like twin stick shooter where you're just this random geometric object floating around on a screen shooting other random geometric objects um and i was just dying over and over and over again and i had heard that it was hard but i was like no nah, this is way too early in the game for it to be this hard um turns out you move faster when you're not shooting <laughs> and i had just been God. you know holding the button down like every bullet hell shooter i'd ever played and i was like wow that makes this game so much easier like still difficult it, now you've got this decision to make but you can actually outrun things <laughs> <laughs> wrong, which is kind of important just sh- totally shakes up the entire dynamic there so yes that still happens to me as, as much as i sit in these channels and pretend like i'm this expert and this very knowledgeable person no absolutely <laughs> it happens all the
1: yeah, no, I, I have, there was a, I think it was at a aquarium somewhere, or like a museum. There was like an interactive game that you, with your friends or family, would all take up little stations in like a submarine, you know, and it would be like this VR thing. Right. And um, I was responsible for like steering it. I was like, oh, this is great, I can steer it, that's fun. But I didn't realize that I was also responsible for driving it and making it go and I was like very small but I should have been able to reach the pedals even so I think I probably should have figured that out um so like the entire time we were like turning around and turning around in circles and shooting stuff and but not going anywhere right we were like I need to go somewhere like who's whose job is it to go and I was obviously the one um it was one of my one of my low points as a uh, arcade you know kid growing up so
2: a good old Rio. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that place, man. Uh, yeah, but I, I was just gonna say, like, it is a fine balance of um, getting that that good, you know, feedback from your from your beta testers, but then also staying true to the thing you were making in the first place. Uh, I guess that's. Probably tough for, for developers though they when when there's a lot of money involved they probably are going to uh, they're going to do what they're what they have to to get the game out there so
0: yeah that's the so reason why all those really high budget high profile AAA sixty dollar games tend to kind of look the same after a while
1: so, yeah. yeah 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 well all right y'all thanks again um, I'll put up some notifications for people who want to play along and I will try to uh catch up on some of the I don't know backlog of stuff on the website here. Ben, you are you are an admin as far as I can tell, so you yeah. should be able to do anything you want to do on there as well.
0: Okay. I w- I was tinkering with the menu and found that it wasn't working the way that i expected so i don't know if that's like hard-coded in there or something is steph largely in charge of that or
1: yeah she she's the one who kind of put it together the way it looks right now okay and uh yeah she's like was just kind of playing around with it so i'll see if she wants to try that some more um because <laughs> i yeah it, it's pretty daunting for me looking at all those little widgets and things
0: Yep, it is a lot and it It took me quite a while to get even as familiar as I am at this point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I know that she's hoping to talk Stardew in a couple weeks. It sounds like next week is not going to work, but maybe the following week we'll do the Stardew thing. Um, Monday evening, I think, was the plan. Or...
0: Last I heard. Yeah. Yeah, I know that's very much been up in the air. Yes,
1: it's so hard to find a time that everybody can be there for that, but still trying. Um, so, yeah. Uh, good talking to you all again.
2: I'm going yep. to sign off. See here. you guys uh, next week. Yep. yep.
0: Well. All right.